This is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice. With me, Michael Keel. And me, Roger Bell-West. And it's May. It's May. The lusty month of May, to quote Vanessa Redgrave. And this month, we will be talk- what are we talking about this month? Uh, intuition. Is there, is there a sensible game mechanical way of saying you usually guess right? And is that really what we mean by intuition at all? Also, whether um, Roger's practice of actually recording what's going on is that useful. And disasters. There aren't that many disaster films made anymore in the, in the traditional sense, but I think they're a really good model for one-shot games. But first of all, I think I'm going to go all whiny and have a bit of a plaint. Roger, I come to you with a tale of woe again. I'm sorry about this, but... Uh, the Commissar welcomes your self-criticism. <laughs> I'm unmutual. Unmutual, I say. Um, I think it's less than a year um, since I last came on and said, Oh, woe, my Wednesday night game has collapsed underneath the strain of various things which we accounted for at the time. And I resolved... Um, in lieu of me having to actually invent new stuff and in order to give me the maximum amount of background material, I resolved to go back to one of the older games in my collection, um, though the newest edition, and run Pendragon, 5th edition, uh, with the great Pendragon campaign. Now, for those, I started at the same time. Yeah, and for those of who are... They know that about this, don't they? They know what it is. All right, it's an attempt to... Play the Knights of Arthurian Britain. Um, from from the reign of Uther all the way to the, to the end. All the way to the end. And, and I'm afraid I have... My campaign has sputtered to a finish five years before Arthur gets to pull the sword from the stone. There's been a lot of good stuff going on, but the arc of the narrative has, and it may be partly my fault, has moved the players out of the stuff about the game they are enthusiastic about, which is being knights and going on adventures, and even with those they have problems, and into being responsible for things and holding together an alliance of uh, of nobles who are trying to hold back the Saxons and doing a damn fine job of it, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and having to deal with battles and having to deal with politics. The politics, some of them didn't mind so much, the battles got very, very, very tedious. There are two battle systems in Pendragon, a simple one in the main book and a complicated one in a supplement called The uh, the Book of Battles. And both of them are unsatisfactory for different reasons. The Book of Battles produces more incident and can be used more often to run a battle where I hadn't decided exactly what the result was going to be. <laughs> um, that, that, uh, that, and, uh, but, the, but it is overly complicated and takes a hell of amount, an amount of running and looking up of tables and it doesn't flow, dash it. It doesn't swim. And it's, it's, yeah, I, I have a cheat sheet that I think was produced by one of your players for yeah. that. And 
it's a start, but I certainly don't feel I've fully absorbed it. I've mostly been using the basic system with a few tweaks. Yeah, the basic system can be done if you don't mind dropping gobs of narrative stuff into into the middle of a fairly rigid sort uh, sort of sort of system. Mm. And both of them are extremely deadly. I think about half of the characters um, around the table had at some stage gone bonkers um, in the middle, uh, normally at the climax of, of a battle when they were. Well, that, that, that's that's in genre. It's it's it's, it's in genre. But if you're if you you go go insane and try to attack your allies, saying "I want this island; it is mine," impersonate a cockerel, or <laughs> just run off the battlefield, this does not do your reputation as a good and valiant knight any damn good. And then there is the the extreme risk of getting yourself chopped into into very tiny pieces, um, or just written out of the story there is a lot of being written out of the story it's mm-hmm. a very un- un- unforgiving system and it was a player being written out of the story by um by events in a battle which caused the the bust up and people being unhappy and expressing their feelings i couldn't see a way to give them pure adventures and they were straining at the bit yeah, some of that is is the era, of course, because the the point of this, the anarchy period, mm. the the point of that is that everything is coming apart, and you you don't get to do your your unfortunately investigative nightly job because you are busy holding the Saxons off from your homes and families. Yeah, it got tedious after a while, yeah. especially as they were doing so well. They 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 had allied Salisbury with a, well, I think six other counties, and they were talking about um, about allying with King Nantalod, who was coming out of Wales. King Nantalon is doomed, incidentally, that's a spoiler. King Nantalon <laughs> is doomed. It's not him who pulls the sword from the stone. All right. Um but they 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 were doing they were doing well, but I, I there comes a stress point where you can't really go any further. Hmm. I think the big build up has been and this is the point of my waffle, not just to tell you my woes, uh, listeners, though I'm sure you're glad for the soap opera bits. Um and this is the point. I think it is there is a point at which limited systems dedicated systems and pendragon is about as dedicated as you can get you get a player night you get to do nightly things mm-hmm. that's it in spite of the things that the fourth edition tried fundamentally it doesn't work if you're not being a knight who, who is after honor and glory that's right it, well it, it distracts from the from the core core strengths of the system and doing the same things being the same person acting in the same way constrains players too much it constrains the more it constrains the the flow of the story too much too often i find myself having to fudge things where i could not make up a um i could not make up a mechanic to cover what it was they wanted to do and also there is the peculiar personality trait system which some of them it's, jumped it's into is the point of playing pendragon as well, far as i'm concerned yeah it's true, and and with I mean, my, I, I, if it weren't for that, I would be running Pendragon under Gerbs. It could be done and I, easily, and uh, and, and I, I have occasionally considered it. But yeah, the, the 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 players I have who are scene chewers um, were willing to go with what the dice told them about how their character was reacting at that moment because. There was always an extreme thing they could do or 
moment they could have, even if it wasn't the moment they wanted. Mm-hmm. Others who are more um, results-focused, more desirous of victory, got a bit peeved by this. And I thought I had buy-in, but when push comes to shove, people discover they're, they're feeling fed up. Mm. And I think this same criticism applies to all limited, dedicated systems. Systems who s- that say, this stuff doesn't matter. It isn't what the story is about. Someday, the story will be about the things that you didn't think mattered in your initial setup. And I want a system which will allow me easily to deal with that moment or go in that direction. Sto- you you find the story; it comes to you. You don't you can't delineate it. I wonder whether some of this is is a matter of density of experience because you you are playing every week, aren't you? Yeah. For roughly how long? Gosh, well, a little less than a year. Yeah. No, no, I mean session length. Oh, session length. Uh, three hours, seven o'clock till ten. Yeah. So. And I'm just comparing the, the games I'm involved in. There, there are two groups I play with mm. regularly. Um, Watson Hall, we are meeting every week. We're getting typically two, two and a half hours of game in. Mm. But we have a run of three to five weeks of a game. And then somebody else does something else for three to five weeks. And then, then we'll come back. I mean, we've, yeah. just, we've just started a second run of Pendragon, having done about 10 sessions of the first one. Mm. Now we've started a second one. Um it benefits because all, I think all everybody in the group is happy to GM at least sometimes. But that does seem to me that if we're starting to get fed up with something, we can just change. Yeah. Um, the the other group, we alternate weeks. So any individual game is run once per two weeks for about three hours. Hmm. And in theory, we have... Yeah, that, that, that group only has two active GMs at the moment, so changing campaigns is a bit tricky. We, we've had three in the past, but one of them isn't particularly enthusiastic about running games at the moment. But so we, we're tending to have longer runs than we have. But I, we, we manage. I hear what you say, and I feel it would be ideal. I I think I think the feeling of oh no, not bloody Pendragon again may have uh, flitted through my my players' minds. The trouble is, they're used to uh, relying on me, and I am old reliable. Um, being coming up with something every time, and I don't have that many people willing to come up with something, or indeed capable of coming up with something, um, on the spur of the moment. On the other hand, I will. Be, I will on tomorrow night. I'll be. I think I'm going to be running primetime adventures to do a general brainstorming session about the sort of things they want to. They want to do mm. the sort of worlds they want to be in. I'm, I'm also writing a, a prospectus of stuff. Now, this doesn't make it any easier for you, but it might make it any easier for them. Have you considered running two different games in alternating weeks? Madness! I tell you, madness! <laughs> oh, good grief. Well, the overall preparation and effort for you shouldn't oh, be true. It's true. Um... <laughs> <laughs> and and then if one of them is annoying people, then you can drop that one out and keep continuity with the other one. Yeah, I I understand what you are you are saying, and it's an excellent proposal in in many many ways. It's just that I can see the moment come coming in as my gargarness advances when I forget what what it is I'm doing that particular week. Uh, but that's for my embarrassment, not yours. I don't know. I do. Uh, 
it is perhaps um, a thing I ought to do. Well, I, I always find there are more campaigns out there that I want to run than I have time to run. So it's true. Um, let me think about that. I, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still gibbering inside. <laughs> All right. I mean, it, uh, I run a thing until it finishes. I, uh, but I understand what you're saying. If I had people who are willing to volunteer and do things alternate, alternately, but I am stuck in a in a rut in that regards. Mm. All right, all right. Let us see. Just l- l- looking at my own uh, Pendragon game, starting at the same time, we've obviously had a lot fewer sessions, mm. and we've had breaks between them. We're, we're not as far as the death of Uther yet, though we have got past Cornwall and Igraine, so you know, not long now. Uh, Spoilers, yeah. guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it does need player buy-in, and it needs players who who are happy to be playing knights. Yeah, um, I think. Any game needs a certain amount of player buy-in. Mm. A, a, a classic dungeon bash game at least says, here is a default thing we can do mm. when, when there is nothing else going on. As far as I'm concerned, the interesting bits of Pendragon, or the more interesting bits, are the individual adventures. It's true. They're, they're, okay, they're, they're more like a conventional role-playing setup, yes. But also, it's here, here is this maze of morality and ethics and tradition and custom and all that stuff which we have to navigate. You know, I, I have come to a stranger's castle and he's done something weird. How do I react? Is is mm. one of the canonical Pendragon adventure sure. setups. That is interesting. That's not something you get in a standard game. And it's fun. Mass battles, I think you need you need a system that people can can enthuse about and at least as currently constituted, I don't think Book of Battles is the answer to it. There may be an answer to it mm. in terms of implementing Book of Battles in a different way. I, d- I don't know. I, as I say, I haven't absorbed it yet myself. But uh, I'm only reading a few years ahead of the Great Pendragon campaign. I don't know how, how seriously battley it is in the Anarchy period. But, but I, w- I will hope to drop in some other stuff as well. You, know, you, you, you have to go to here to build an alliance or whatever. Well, there is plenty of going and building an, an, an alliance, and there are plenty of opportunities to, as they traipse across the, the country with uh, messages from their liege lady. Oh, that's another spoiler, isn't it? Um, terrible, terrible. Um, to, uh, to, uh, to this lord or the other. Um, they, uh, uh, they, they do have chance to account weird things, but I, what I found was there were very, I had to I had to raid my stock of other Pendragon materials, materials from the central parts of the campaign, mm. uh, in order to provide detailed adventures uh, for for my players. I did so I was doing this out of a mo- motive partially of laziness and drawing on other people's oh, work. Oh, me too. And some of the stuff that's in there really doesn't quite fit yet into. Um, into the 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 what's supposed to be the fairly savage, fairly basic um, experience yeah. of, the, of the of the anarchy. I did at one point go through all all the uh, supplements I could find, including a couple of uh, collections of um, stuff published online, and most of them don't bother to specify the period they're in. Um, the ones that do, it's mostly uh, after Arthur, basically, because yeah. that's the core of the game. I, I did look into this because. Um, there have been three iterations of the Great Pendragon campaign, as yeah. far as I can see, under different names. There was the Boy King, yeah. which starts just after the death of Uther. Mm. And so you start with the Anarchy period. Then there's the Great Pendragon campaign itself, which starts in Uther's reign. Yeah. And now there is apparently 
I can't remember what it's called, an extension to that which starts before Uther comes to the throne. Yeah, that madness that way lies, I think. I, I won't do the, the, the insane laughter this time, but the madness that way lies. For, for, for whom, people for whom the Great Crimson Dragon campaign is simply not long enough. Yeah. Well, I am not... I am putting this uh, campaign into storage rather than into um, the abyss. Um, it may become backable to at a, at a later time. But um, I'm sorely tempted to skip over and and end up with the children. Uh, the the first player characters are starting to have um, are, are aging and starting to have um, children, sons who are pro- approaching the uh, the age of mm. um, uh, the age of knighting. Yeah, mine have not been lax in the matter of getting children, though they're, yeah. they're all still quite young. So. The and, and now, now that they're rich enough that their children survive, you know. Oh, well, isn't, isn't that nice? Yes. <laughs> but um, uh, but but I may be tempted then to go with young knights uh, with their parents gawking at the as Arthur pulls the sword from the stone. Certainly, given, given that your players have already said they don't really want to do more of this stuff, I, th- I think it would be entirely fair to press it a bit. Yeah, but well, we'll see. But for now, I'm looking at, at another. Two campaigns at once, really? Oi. Um, well, you know, st- start one, run it for a bit, and then then start up another one and alternate them a bit. And you know, I, I don't mean necessarily alternating weeks, but you know, alternating months, maybe. Well, I, it, may, it might be alternating adventures. Uh, yeah. Where you get to a climax point, and then I, then I say next week it's unknown armies, which we will speak of more later. But let us move on. Uh, having me having told my tale of woe, I hope instructively. Uh, to the uh, listening populace. I want to talk about something that is weird, but not supernatural, necessarily. And something that I don't think is terribly well mechanically realised in games, in games that I like and in games that I use, but um, something that that I think could be improved. I'm talking about intuition, about the feeling you get that you suddenly, you suddenly know the answer, that you can suddenly see the pattern of what's going on around you. Now, there is an advantage in GURPS, our favourite system here, uh, called intuition. And basically, it's a bit pants because it says you, you talk to the GM and ask him to tell you, if you make an intro, what the most likely of the out possible explanations is. It's a little more complex than that. I'm right, going, right. going, going over this in, in GURPS 4th edition. Um, you have... The, the the situation you need to set up is a number of alternatives, mm-hmm. of which some are good and some are bad. You don't necessarily know how many of which. Yeah, who doesn't know the player? The, yeah, the player doesn't know. The player lists some choices. The GM will think about. Yeah, so this might be wh- which of these people is looking shifty. Yeah, um, the GM will make an IQ roll for the player. Mm-hmm. Bonus equal to the number of good choice, penalty equal to the number of bad choices. On a success, he will say one of the good choices is the one you feel. On a failure, say, you don't get anything. On a critical failure, you get a bad choice. Mm. So I've worked some numbers on this. If you've got an IQ 12 character, which is 
or probably on the low end, but quite yeah. quite reasonable. Uh, they'll get a fifty-fifty call right three quarters of the time. Uh, if you get up to an IQ sixteen character, mm. uh, they'll get a one in ten chance one quarter of the time. That's that's an improvement, but it's not a huge improvement. I feel. Yeah. Well, first of all, the who is looking shifty um, thing is 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 a different skill. It it's it. Yeah. Out of these suspects, which of them do I think is the murderer? Is, is yeah. the canonical example of one that causes problems. They, they do, in fact, call that out mm. uh, in, in the definition of the advantage. Um, they say, you should not let the intuitive detective walk into a room, slap the cuffs on the guilty party and close the case. At the most, intuition will point the detective in the direction of a good clue. As I see it, intuition will say to the detective, there is something hinky about this person... And so I will investigate them further. Hmm. I, they they still have to get the clues, but they are, they are not chasing down completely blind alleys. Now, when I get a moment of intuition, or what I think of in, as intuition, it's a moment of blinding pattern recognition. I suddenly know, oh, hang on, that fits with that. It's not that. It's not quite the. It, it can involve the, the the sense of there's something more underneath here. But the actual moment of intuition is, I know exactly what this is. And I feel that what what you want to provoke in your players is the sudden feeling of realisation of patterns going together. As a player, that's one of the things I like doing for myself. Yeah. Um, is there... Should this be? I mean, I, I will occasionally, as a GM, when when the players are stymied, give a hint that X might be connected to Y. Hmm. Generally, all I need to do is a fairly minor hint, and even that's not very often because they, the players also enjoy yeah. putting stuff together in that way. Is the is intuition as it's written a spoiler for that sort of thing? I don't think so. It it could be used for that, but it hmm. could be used for a bunch of other things as well. Um, all right, what, what is its legitimate use? Well, as, as I see it, it's the, I, I genuinely have no, nothing to go on at the moment, but where should I look first? Hmm. Um, so I don't like the look of him, so I, so I will investigate him first and maybe, maybe interrogate him a bit harder than the others. That sort of thing. It, it's an enabler for the investigation more than a hmm. shortcut of the investigation. I have to say, I have never actually seen a player character with this advantage. Yeah, um, which is it, it's fifteen points. It's quite quite expensive. Yeah, it's odd to me because the GM is expected to have a, a complete list of good and bad options they could pursue. Mm, I'm not sure the GM is. I think the player could say, "Here are the options that I'm considering." Uh, yeah, but the the GM then has to say, "And what are the bad? What 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 what's the really bad routes that they could take?" And add that into the equation. Mm. Or what are the really good routes that they haven't even noticed yet? Does he add that into the equation? Well, as stated, it's when faced with a number of alternatives and no logical way to choose among them. That implies there is a number of alternatives that we've already agreed on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I I think this does work better in, in a society. Yeah. Um, the, the example of the, the uh, intuitive detective saying, this is where I'm going to look is fine if the detective has to produce evidence and convince a jury and whatnot. Hmm. But if you're down a dungeon and, and you've got a bunch of a bunch of um, prisoners, each of whom is saying, that other prisoner is a spy, hmm. 
You don't have to convince a justice system. You just have to decide which one you're going to stick a sword through, if any. Uh, God will know his own. And at that point, I don't think intuition is interesting, any more than, um, you know, which lever do I pull on on the obvious trap? Mm. Which intuition would also short-circuit? Yeah, I think I want to... um, Yeah. If you're putting an obvious trap in, it should be a logic puzzle, but people don't like logic puzzles. I don't like them very much myself. There's another mechanic which I'm going to talk about, which is in Unknown Armies, which I think is supposed to mimic intuition, as I understand it, and which doesn't actually make any sense to me at all. And that's called the hunch. It's made a big deal of. Basically, if you get a hunch, you roll the percentile dice, which control everything in the game, you get a number. And then that's your next dice roll. When it comes up. Whatever it is. So presumably if it's something terrible, you you try to find an excuse to make a die roll about something trivial. Yeah, apparently. But And I can see just about the advantage of having two hunches. Um, two, two sets of pre-rolled dice. And you can choose which one of them you trigger first depending on circumstances, but I'm damned if I can see why a hunch in itself is a good thing. Well, on on its own, either you roll a terrible thing and you can can try to get rid of it, or you roll something very good, at which point you say, right, guys, I'm not going to make any more die rolls until we get to the crucial point that I think is just around that corner. Mm, You really hope. (laughs) I, I can't help feeling that this is a bad... It's a bad, a, a badly named set of things, and a badly, a badly set up set of ideas. I is is intuition as as a as a trait as an ability actually useful to um, gaming? It seems to be an awfully generic thing. Um, it, it's tagged in GURPS as, as mental but not exotic, meaning it should be available to ordinary people, hmm. ordinary heroes perhaps, but ordinary people who don't have you know supernatural powers of any sort and that seems a bit odd i'm also looking at serendipity which gives you one plausible coincidence per game session and that is just really hard work for the gm just as much work as weirdness magnet the disadvantage which gives you things going wrong for you each game session Mm -hmm. and and that's that's things going interesting for you every game session interesting but in a disadvantageous way um the, the one i have seen used a lot is luck, of course, which is very simple. It's purely game mechanical. It says, right, I'm going to invoke luck for that die roll I just made. I'm going to make it three more times and take the one I like best. Sorry, two more times. Yeah. And then I can't do it for another hour of real time. And I, I know players who will never have a character without that. Me too, yeah. <laughs> um, but that is, th- those are serendipity as well, are more blatantly interfering with the narrative and I think can be treated as out of, in effect, uh, things external to the character. Hmm. So certainly, that there is nothing that the character does in his own head that is equivalent to invoking luck. I feel. I no the, the well serendipity. Serendipity is a thing. Is a. I don't have a problem with seren, uh, serendipity because it is definitely weird. And it, but it, it's hard work for com- coming up with things. That's my my concern. Just as weird as Magnus is, uh, it's invoked by the by the player, isn't it? No, by the 
in that case, I may have been short-changing all the players I, I have ever had <laughs> who have had uh, serendipity. But, um, yeah, I'm bad about that. Uh, my, my players sometimes put up cards in front of them which say, my character has luck, my character has combat reflexes, my character has danger sense. Just to remind me, this is a useful tip. Do mm-hmm. it, because your, your GM yeah, yeah. cannot remember everything. I I have a cheat sheet for some things, but that sort of thing is certainly useful. Mm. uh, This may be a bit of a pointless uh, discussion. It's just that I think intuition is a big part of the pleasure and experience of role-playing. Real intuition in the player's head, rather than... Well, putting putting things together is great. And putting things together with insufficient evidence, but you'd realise that that fits with that, and gosh, all those other things now fit as well. None of them is actually probative... But mm. they all fit together this way, and they don't all fit together if by in any other way. Mm. And that's great fun. It would be nice to have a mechanic to say, my character can do that and I can't. Yeah. But it's great fun to do it oneself. So I'm, yeah. that's not high on my list of new mechanics to invent. No. Well, I'm saying, let's lose it. But... <sighs> but I, I, I don't think the, the GURPS version is game-breaking. Mm. As long as you're in a in a setting where that random choice is not the only thing you have to do, yeah. The, the, my real feeling is that choice should not be random. I, perhaps I'm, I'm well. Take... If if it's not random, then you have other powers that affect it. Well, other abilities, skills, whatever. Yeah. I, I think this probably cuts into gumshoe territory, and perhaps something that gumshoe. My experience with Gumshoe having been with an improvised campaign may be unusual in this. I was finding that Gumshoe, feed, setting up the clues for the players and making feeding them what they needed to, to, to figure things out, but not too much, was a little difficult to judge. Oh, by yeah, the way, that, that, that's certainly something I've seen in, in the published adventures for Gumshoe Systems. Yeah, when it's, it's pre-written, when it's it, it's hard to get that level right. Yeah, um, the, there's at least one I've seen for uh, Trail of Cthulhu, which was so heavy-handed in its clues that after about two, the players had a fairly good idea what was going on. After three, they knew exactly what was going on, and then they were then there were the other seven before the final fight. Yeah, all right. Uh, <laughs> Okay, or maybe the, the author had some very thick players. The, the, this is a pretty sharp set of players, but even so. Yeah. The the problem with having it pre-written is that you can't adjust for player, player competence. Speaking of which, um, I'm happy to announce that I did at least get the Knights Black Agents game uh, to to an end, and they, they, they did indeed blow up Dracula. <laughs> did but, it help? Uh, well, Mina Harker, um, the Brides of Dracula are taking over Europe, uh, Mina Harker is uh, is in is going to try and take over Russia. Um, now the current Van Helsing's great great grandmother is going to try and take over Germany and Central Europe, and a lady called Kate Reed, who isn't in the published manuscript, has just um, uh, uh, taken control of the coalition government in Britain. Right, so. There could be a second season, but I don't think we're going there. <laughs> and it's not really going to be set, set in the recognisable real world as much as the first one was. <laughs> I, nowadays, I'm not sure the recognisable real world is set in the recognisable real world. Fair point. Okay, I have waffled about this, but not to any point. Would you do anything different with with 
intuition. Uh, intuition, the GURPS power, is clearly not sufficiently appealing for players to take it. Yeah. It's too expensive. By And the, the, I think, at least in the games I run, the there is nothing to let you choose between these alternatives situation is quite rare. It, it, yeah. it is explicitly when you don't have a way to choose among them. I, I would much rather say, right, you're really good at reading people and you think he looks guilty, or you are good at detecting air currents in underground passages and you think that that, that particular underground passage smells of rot and decay, or I, some, something like that. Yeah, I, I'd I, much rather that than, than just, oh, well, it's random. I think You I th- roll the die and bias it a bit. I think the core clue idea in in gumshoe though it's not really you can apply it to us but it is a good it is a good idea if they are competent they should be able to find information but given its gaps i'd let them roll the dice or i'd roll the dice for them maybe yeah um you can of course um reverse engineer the extra time rules for GURPS and say, okay, you, you have blown your roll by three points, that means it's going to take you um, half an hour to find this rather than five minutes. Mm, that's also true. Okay. Um, if they've got to find it, they've got to find it. If it if it if getting any further on that's the, uh, uh, requires that they, they find this, then they've got to find this. But mm-hmm. at a price, yes, you find it, but... That's also a good approach, yeah. Let's pass on. We've been talking for a while about uh, recording games and using those recordings for later reference and so on. And I have suffered a change of heart in this regard. I am still recording games. And I'm still uploading them to Watson Hall. Uh, but a few months ago, I started trying to do the write-ups from the recording rather than from notes that I'd taken during the game session. And I found that this didn't work. And I was a bit surprised by this, but I, I think... The, I'm surprised the, too. Why? Three things in the end. Well, one, one, it took me longer to do the write-up yeah. because, say I've got three hours of game, I can listen to and pressy at about 30% increase in speed mm. at most. So, so two, two and a bit hours to do the game right up. Mm. Whereas if I'm going from my page or two of notes, I can do it in 60 to 90 minutes. But it, it also it felt longer. It does take longer. Um, I... All right. It's, it's once again time for me to, uh, to make my... Um, Inevitable new campaign resolution, which is to write the damn thing up um, the, the week after I do it, rather than doing it months later for alarms and excursions. But I do want, I want not just a precy of what happened, but I do, though I do want that. I also want a, a narrative that I can publish at a later date. I use um, a website called O Transcribe, which is useful. I may have mentioned it before. You can load into a web page or recording, and it will allow you to pause things from the keyboard uh, rather than fiddling with two sets of controls. It's rather neat. Okay, I just use VLC, but fair enough. Uh, however, the thing is, I want to nudge my memory. My memory, I, d- I don't write things down as I go normally. Mm. I'm on, on the fly. I will scribble some notes when I remember. 
but I don't normally remember everything that I've said. I'm a, a heavy improvise of details. And if I want to remember what I named the um, uh, the serving wench in the pub in York with whom uh, Sir Flanedrius had rampant and enjoyable sex, he does that every time he's out, out away from his wife. He's a pagan knight, lustful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's bad to practically religious duty. He, he regards it as such. And his wife, his wife is very understanding. The the then I, if I want to remember the little details or even major details, bits of plot that I've improvised, I've got to go back to the recording. I've got to say what exactly was it I said, mm. because I can guarantee this: they will, rem- some of them will remember things that I haven't said, or remember things other than what I have said. And I gotta have go back and make sure that I actually know what I'm talking about, at least in some sense of the word. I I am blessed with players who do actually read the write-ups when I put them up, and and will call me on things that they remember differently. Yeah. Uh, how often are they right, and how often are you right? Uh, it depends on the player. I don't want to name names. That's very wise of you. Uh, but, however, point two was because I wasn't worried about forgetting details, yeah. and because. I knew it was going to take a bit longer. I often didn't get round to doing the write-up until weeks after the game, in some cases after the yeah. next session. It is a chore. Yeah. Whereas with the notes, I know that I'm going to forget stuff. The notes are are more of a reminder from my, for my memory than a mm. complete record. And so pretty much I get the write-up done either the same day if I've run in the afternoon or the next day. If I've run run in the evening, I'm, I'm afraid that my memory is not is not good enough to retain it that long anymore. Well, my memory is pretty crap as well. That's why I get it done promptly. Mm. Okay. Point three yeah. um, was the style of the write up was different. Uh, what I was finding was, uh, and th- thanks to one of the readers for confirming this, all the small details were right. Yeah. Um, but the meaning of the detail, the, the the ultimate resolution of a particular point, was not necessarily the way that either the players or either well the players or the GM really remembered it being. Give examples. Um, th- there was a long discussion about what to do about um, the, the the magical flying bomb threat. Mm. And various things were planned and speculated about and considered in how much how much effort is it going to be to do this. But what was actually decided was not quite what I remembered. Mm. Because it was it was it was said in passing while two or three people were talking. Yeah, that is a bugger. And what I got out of the recording was not what the players had understood from the recording, and that is a thing that it is necessary to get absolutely right. Because it affects my planning for the next session. It's true, and uh, it affects. Yeah, and it will come back to bite you if you don't get it right. Several sessions, uh, several sessions along, when they say, "Hang on, didn't you say?" Yeah, th- this is one one of the reasons I always encourage the players to read the write-ups, mm. because if it is uncontested, then it is the official source of what happened. Yeah, I, by and large, I'm writing a narrative for other people to understand how my games run, and I'm doing it for their entertainment rather than an official source, though I I like to have an official source as well. And, yeah, there is degradation in in stuff and stuff that I can't make out 
um, stuff that might be important that I can't make out. My write-ups will generally elide over planning. They will definitely elide over discussions about the rules, unless I want to make a, mm. a separate sure. a separate uh, write-up of what we decided the rules ought to be in this particular case, which is a damn good thing to do and something I should do <laughs> more frequently and closer to the actual decision. Depends to some extent on, on the nature of the planning. If, if I've got a situation where multiple plans are being come up with, I will generally um, put down anything that gets more than trivial discussion because it might be revisited later. True. Well, I will, I will put. I, I, I will briefly list the other options that they they went for, and I will include the uh, any amusing dialogue that they have, um, or revealing dialogue they have during any part any part of that. Um, but I, uh, uh, but I, I, I want to go more or less to the. But finally, they decided. Mm, whereas I, I only put in dialogue if it is making me laugh, or seems especially apposite, mm. or something of that sort. Well, sometimes they come up with the damnedest things. Sometimes they come up with stuff that I'm actually really very proud of them for. And sometimes, and sometimes they, yeah, yeah, it's worth it's worth preserving the funny stuff. Do you put these up for public consumption anywhere? They're in alarms and excursions. And what I should do, another New Year's, new campaign's resolution, is write stuff up, including the um, uh, everything, and put it on a, on a, a point where I can, um, where my players at least can, can reach it. Yeah, the, the, this it. is one of the key things for me, that, that the players can look at it mm-hmm. within a couple of days while their memories are still relatively fresh. Yeah, and tell me if there's anything they remember differently. Well, my good resolutions will probably go all the way of all my good resolutions, most of them. I have actually achieved one or two in my lifetime. Congratulations. I can't actually remember what they are at the moment. You know, one or two. Drink more, drink less. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, exercise more. Um, Be a nicer chap. Don't comment. But, yeah, I understand why you're giving it up. My purposes are slightly different. I'm, I'm still recording for, for um, public use. Yeah. I've not done that. I don't... Look, we bicker too much sometimes. I feel this... What's Hall has its own style, and apparently we have fans. Yeah. Well, I, I, I listened to most of their back catalogue and then, then discovered that they were looking for new players and joined them. <laughs> oh, God. I don't want to put my lot on the air. Graham alone... The size of his ego would fill the entire room if he got a fan base. <laughs> Let's pass on. There are quite a few standard shapes of adventure that we can steal from books and films and so on. One that I think is being unjustly neglected is the disaster film. Mm-hmm. And it's not entirely clear to me why. I think it's a good model, because, particularly for a one-shot adventure. Yeah. Because every, everybody knows roughly what the tropes are. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not completely restrictive the way, um, say... Expendable meat horror is, you know, you don't have to have people dying in strictly ascending order of moral turpitude or descending. You you don't you don't have to have the fi- the final battle with the big boss. 
there, there's a bit more room for flexibility. And OK, this sort of disaster film has been out of fashion for a while. Meteor put the nail in the coffin, and that was 1979. <laughs> You've seen it, haven't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that the one with Jodrell Bank in it? And the, uh, uh, but there's, uh, there's a secret space command headquarters under New York. Oh, that that is the one. Yeah, that's 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 the one. And, and the Russian astrophysicist who who, who who says up the up the Dodgers. Yeah, I remember that. And you've got some late runners like Armageddon, Deep Impact, and so on. But I think, generally speaking, that sort of disaster film isn't big business these days. Okay, hang on. Let me let me let me stop for a moment because. Um, when I think of a disaster film, I think of something like Towering Inferno, mm-hmm. where, it, first of all, you're not in overall charge of the disaster the way Sean Connery and who are, uh, Brian, what's his name, were in, in that secret command centre underneath uh, underneath New York. You don't get the overall view. You are the poor schmucks who find themselves railroaded right at the start of the, the game as um, and find themselves trapped and have to get the hell out. Well, th- this comes into uh, what Liz Kingsley of And You Call Yourself a Scientist calls the golden rule of the, of the transportation-related disaster movie, yeah. which is you crash it in the first 20 minutes or you don't crash it at all. <laughs> and this this applies with other disaster scenarios that have a single transformative event. I mean, a, a story is either about preventing the reactor meltdown yeah. or it's about the reactor meltdown has happened and what do we do now? And I, th- I think partly this is because the people who are involved before aren't generally the people who are involved afterwards. Mm. And f- for the aircraft, you'd have pilots and air traffic controllers and things versus people who were on the plane that crashed. Yeah. Um, but also, disaster films are remarkably upbeat. I mean, yes, terrible things are happening and background characters die, but the important characters survive and win and gain what they wanted and so on. Yeah, I think the problem... All right, so, so if if you crash early... Yeah. Then okay, the pilots have failed, but they weren't the heroes of the story. True. And the survivors now get to be the heroes. If if you're if you don't crash early, then the pilots are the people that the audience cares about. Yeah. And for them to have a good outcome, you can't have a crash at all. Hmm. Of course, this is a role playing game, yeah. so it can still go horribly wrong right up to the last moment. Well, hang on, hang on. What, where is the team in this? Because I, I see where the team is with the experts, with the people trying trying to stop it, but where does the team come in with the uh, with the poor schmoes who are just trying to survive? Why do they bind together? Well, in the long term, they don't have to. No, but I, I'm specifically thinking of this for one shot adventures, of which I which I write, you know, two or three new ones a year usually. Okay. Um. So I, th- I think for that situation, it's entirely acceptable to say, here, here is a bit of your backstory. You're taking this flight because X, and um, oh dear, it's going to crash. Well, yeah, you have done... Yeah, OK, because X. Um, the the X being different for each person. You just you, you have a reason for being on this plane at this time, that's all. Yeah, yeah. So why are you... So what binds them together? Is it the environment which they have crashed into? Yeah, you know, you, you, you're um, 10,000 feet up in the Andes and uh, it's getting quite cold. What are you going to do now? And who are you going to eat first? Um, NPCs! <laughs> they, they are so much more... NPCs are much more flavourful than player characters. It's a well-known fact. There's a lot of good eating on one of those. The 
yeah, the problem is that you've got a bunch of people with the same aim, but you haven't got a team. You won't have a team leader unless, you know, you've actually written one into the pre-generated characters, somebody with the staunch, ex with the experience on the jaw and, and the steely gaze to go with it. Well, while Which is a pain in the ass if you're not him. While I don't particularly want to encourage explicit conflict among players, I think a certain amount of argument and competition is entirely acceptable. Yeah. And that, that's one of the things that a one-shot can do. You can say, right, are, are you going to bicker all day and freeze to death, or are you going to do something about this problem? Obviously not explicitly, but this is a situation you can present to the players. Yes, it's getting terribly cold, chaps, and some of you can't feel your feet. Wasn't using them anyway. Oh. The... <sighs> Yeah, all right. I can see. I can see. This makes an excellent one shot. But I, your uh, what was it called? The the, the airship one. Uh, Marmosets on an airship. Marmosets on a, on, a, on an airship was uh, was written from the point of view of the of the crew preventing disaster. And great fun it was too. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I don't plan to run a, a direct sequel with those same characters. It is designed as a one shot. No, I didn't think you, you did. But if we had done. Um, th after the airship crashed, um, and uh, and uh, you had had the survivors struggling, how would you bind that bunch of people together? Oh, you... the 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 adversity does it does it for the short term. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in ten years' time, they're probably not going to be getting together for an anniversary dinner, but that doesn't matter. Well, well, they, you can't get the long pig in in that part of the world. The oh, cannibalism jokes. This is the the podcast to come for, to for cannibalism jokes. The I think the the problem is well, first of all, there's is there an element of coincidence always in the people who get assembled having the the skills? What sort of are you thinking of? Um, ordinary chaps or square jawed heroes or the the? the, the I I, th I think it's flexible. I I quite like to do this with fairly fairly low power characters. An another uh, mm. example of this. Uh, is let's see, yeah, it got got called infection in the end. It's mm. um, for warped adventures. It's available on Warehouse Twenty Three. Plug plug. Um, where our our heroes are members of a, a border militia in Arizona mm -hmm. who get mixed up in the outbreak of the zombie apocalypse. And generally speaking, when I've run it, they are causative in the outbreak of the zombie apocalypse, though without meaning to be. <laughs> yeah, the. Well, the zombie apocalypse is another. It's not a it, the zombie apocalypse unless you contain it early, is not uh, an ending situation. Um, except, well, it's not. A, it's not a situation that comes to a, to an end. It only goes on to another crisis. Yeah, the 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 end for that adventure, as I as I've run it, is either it is now contained, mm. or it is now sufficiently outbreaking that no things really are going to come apart, mm. and it's quite clear that that's going to be the the, the outcome. That 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 is really, in effect, a a playing of the crash, yeah, rather yeah. than of the surviving the crash. And I I could I could quite easily see a sequel to that, um, two months later, mm. where civilization has now fallen, and the, these guys obviously aren't going to talk about their part in it, but they but that would be a more conventional. Can can we survive and get to a place of safety? Yeah. What difficulties? Do you set up? I mean, none of us 
I, I, excuse me. I, I, I do not wish to preempt the uh, the the vast ex- and and diverse experience of the role players of the world. But your average role player is not going to have any experience of dragging himself across the Andes, or navigating uh, fast flowing rivers, or fighting off bears. How yes, but we, we have the... game support for that sort of thing. Okay, Espe- uh, especially the fighting off bears. <laughs> How do you make credible the um, the, the, the average Joes who are, are stuck in a, a faulty seven seven four seven? Um, how do you how do you make their capacity credible? Do you just have to pace the? Actually, no, that wasn't wasn't the thought I was starting with. Thought I was starting with is what? How do you make the choices clear clear to to them? Do you guide? Because I'm not at all sure that I'm going to. I, if I crashed crashed an airplane, I'd have the first idea of what I need to get together in order to make my way to civilization. How do you set out the problems for the players? Um, if they want to do large-scale planning, they can, but purely small-scale moment-to-moment stuff will, will provide sufficient challenge. You know, Okay, the, the plane is on fire. Are you going to go back in to rescue more people and or try to get things out of it? Mm. Um, and if they if they have particular things they want to get, well, that's great. If they if they just say I want I want to get things that might be useful, well, that's fine too. And I'll say, okay, you you've got some first aid kits, that's good. Hmm. Uh, you've got the drinks trolley, that's good too. For certain, do they still have drinks trolleys on planes? I don't think they do anymore. Anyway, well, they, they certainly have booze. If you can find where the booze is, then that's that's anaesthetic and uh, antisepsis all in one. But that sort of small-scale thing, I, I, th- I think a lot of... At least if people have seen disaster films or read books or even just thought about the situation, they might think, well, you know, here, here is what I might do in that situation. And, well, here is a person who isn't you, but they, they have these, these skills and abilities and the, these uh, priorities in life. What are they going to do? Hmm. I'm, just, I'm just thinking that, yeah, how, how forgiving are you planning to be? Because... Unless well, they ask that, the right questions that right was the at thing the start, I was going to they can to. bugger themselves. Um, I, I do like the idea of a high casualty rate. I haven't implemented this yet, uh-huh. but I have some ideas about that. Um, the, the obvious problem is what do you do with the players of characters who have died? You give them some of the NPCs who have not yet died. Well, that, that is certainly one option. Um, the other is you give them the monsters to run. If it is a supernatural or science fictional disaster, you can start to get a bit more interesting, I think, because, mm-hmm. for example, let, let, let us say that um, you, your, your policies are being slaughtered by an undead monster yeah. and then rising a, uh, as a ghost of some sort. Mm-hmm. Now, how about the solution to the monster is something that can only be got by combining information from, from the afterlife and the current life? I, I will grant you this, this gets out of the pure disaster model slightly, but it has the same idea of here is an ongoing threat that you have to deal with. Yeah. While, while you escape to what you foolishly hope is safety. I think. No, I think on the whole, I, my 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 answer earlier earlier is what I would go for. You. You you have a reserve of NPCs, and you and maybe you chuck a, a slightly less value. Uh, valuable M- NPC at them when their previous highly valuable and competent character dies, 
because, you know, no good deed goes unrewarded, and if you turn back to save people, then you're going to get shredded. And that's a moral moral that we, we probably want to emphasise here. Though, if you had all, all the potential PCs of about the same power level, that could be interesting in itself. Mm. Um, again, a science fictional thing, you could be, right, you're being projected into a different person at this point. Ooh. We, can, we can't put more people in there, but we can let you take over one of the others. There are, and and that, that would that would account for them knowing what's what's been going on before. Or you could do a version of the paranoia clone family and say you're a bunch of, of AIs and you have these bodies to get back to civilization in. And if one gets shredded, you'll move your consciousness into the next one. But mm-hmm. hey. Um but people may not they may not care quite as much uh, about their characters if they can't bleed. Um, I would. I would also say there's something to be said for if you, if you're going the supernatural route, or if or if you're doing entirely naturally, if you die, you start playing playing the opposition. You start playing the the bears or crocodiles or whatever, or the risen zombies. Um, just because you now want to eat their brains doesn't make you a less interesting character to play. Yeah, it might get a bit too wargamey, but mm, yeah, depending on the scenario, I could certainly see see that working. Uh, well, I, yeah. In I, any case, th- th- this is a model I, I've followed a bit before and I'm certainly planning to follow again. Yeah. All um, right, can I ask a question? The, this is all about achievement, about getting the result, about procedural stuff. What's the emotional content of a disaster? Uh, that, that's where the character backgrounds come in. Here, here are your emotional goals. Such not, as, not put explicitly. What's usable? What's usable? Well, ju- ju- just think of the classic disaster films. Um, you know, he, he, here is the guy who is um, at, at outs with his wife, and they're in the process of getting divorced, and now he's going to do something heroic, and um, she will change her mind about it. Or you know, or here is the wife, and here is a prime opportunity for her to murder her husband and get away with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, I've got an unpleasant mind. Or here is the mistress who who doesn't doesn't want to be his mistress anymore, but um, has something hanging over. Or you know, there, there are all sorts of interpersonal things. I would be wary of making it too soap operatic. Yeah, but I think the potential is there. Hmm. I'm I'm remembering the sad con artist that Fred Astaire plays in the Towering Inferno. <laughs> ah, hmm. yeah. I, I don't know yeah. that you could do anything with that. Except the, he gets the chance to uh, to be honest one last time in his life, um, and, and succeeds. I seem to recall. I can't remember if he lives through it or not, but he confesses to the wrong he he was about to do. Oh, spoilers for forty year old films are what we're all about here. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reintroducing them to the classics for certain values of classics. <laughs> Is supernatural more fun in this case? I think. To make this sort of thing work, you have to have some idea of what the rules are. Mm. Uh, so while I would be quite happy with a science fiction or supernatural setting, I think it would, I would want to make it one way we can establish up front, I, either in the introduction or at least for pretty early on, yes, there is a ghost and it's killing people. Mm. Uh, or, you know, yes, we have these projections and personality recordings and whatnot. Just make, make, make it clear that... While, while there is a disaster going on, it is still a disaster that you need to think your way out of, hmm. rather than simply you know, praying or sitting down and waiting to be rescued or that sort of thing. You 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 need the ongoing struggle, 
and for that to happen, the ongoing struggle must have meaning. Yeah. I was going to say, is there a case for setting it back in the classic period of the uh, of the disaster mover back in the 1970s? Because I think that would mobile, depend on... mo- mo- Modern communications technology is is going to spoil this sort of thing unless you you can come up with some fiat reason that uh, that you can't you can't get any sort of phone to work. Modern communications technology is fragile. Yeah, but but everybody has one, um, and and yeah. I, I don't mean physics. I mean the whole network is fragile. It can be easily brought down by trivial activities. Yeah, but no, yes, but no, but yes, but no. You've just had one disaster. Your airplane has fallen out of the sky, and now you can't get cell reception. Your aircraft has fallen out of the sky because of high auroral activity, which is also disrupting short-range radio signals. Uh-huh. Your aircraft has fallen out of the sky because of an electromagnetic pulse. Now that, somebody has unleashed an EMP weapon. Now that is a modern-day disaster that you could probably um, justify yeah, all sorts and, and, of and the emergency services over the half the continent that you've crashed in are too busy. Yeah. Rescuing themselves first. I mean, they'll come for you eventually, but... Yeah, no, that that may, there are still remote enough places that um, uh, that that uh, that you you don't want to be stuck stuck in, and you want to be down from. Um, but I, I I think there's a there's a case for unless you're go, you're going to have to deal with with um, with the possibility of them just saying hello, we're on top of a mountain. Please come and get us. Well, that's nice. If you if you can get down to eight thousand feet, we can get we can get in a chopper. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Further further suggestions. There there are many many options here. I mean, okay, th- this blends into monsters and killer animals and things as yeah. well. Um, but but I think even even the straight disaster with with or without saboteur mm. uh, has a lot of potential for this, and I'm, I'm planning to use it for them, for them for another for the next few one shots and see how that goes. Mm. Yeah, well, please, please remember to constrain. Uh, give them a, a, a clear path to um, uh, to safety, and then scatter the, the obstacles across that path. But they they have to have enough of a clue to get moving. <laughs> this is a quest, goddammit. Get moving. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the general sense of what you need to do to survive should be fairly apparent. Mm. You know, cl- climb through the ship and cut a hole through the hull, or whatever. Yeah. Turn it upside down. Uh, you're not going to do the Poseidon disaster, are you? Well, not explicitly, but, you know, artificial gravity. Oh, crying out loud. <laughs> there were more stupid things than that. Wasn't there one about one of the, what, about, about a, uh, a sunken, a sunken um, luxury liner where people had been living there uh, in art, art, artificially since they since the, they sank during the Second World War. I don't know that one. I rem- I can't remember what it was called, but it was truly bizarre and 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 that disastrous. sounds terrible in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to look it up. Oh well, thank you, and uh, and let us move on to further disasters of our own.
if you can remember what that dratted movie was called, or if you have intuitions of your own about uh, game systems, please contact us um, either via leaving a message at the website or email to podcast at tekeli.ly. And we'll be back in another month. <laughs>